Welcome to License to Talk Insurance, a podcast for independent insurance agents. Hello, my name is Amanda Yanis. I am the Director of Marketing at Chicagoland SAA and one of your hosts for this podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelsey Conklin Ramsey. I'm the Director of Digital Strategy here at Chicagoland SAA, and I am the other host for this podcast. So when someone gives me their business contact information, like a business card or a virtual contact, whatever it is, there are two things that I do. One, of course, is I Google the business to see if they have a website that's modern and up to date. The second thing I do is I see if I can contact them by email. I hate calling people. I don't like talking to businesses over the phone that I don't already have a strong relationship with. So my preferred form of contact is almost always email. And I don't think I'm alone in that. However, nothing makes me hesitate more when emailing a professional, such as an insurance agent, as in they don't have a professional email address, especially if it's a really old internet provider's email domain, like SBC Global or AOL. Even Yahoo really makes me think twice. I start to doubt the professionalism and the legitimacy of the business. At best, I'm probably thinking that they're outdated and maybe their resources aren't up to date, maybe their services are up to date. What about you, Kelsey? How do you feel about email? So I feel very similar to you, Amanda. If someone is reaching out to me that I've, even if I've been in touch with them in the past and their business name isn't associated with their email address, I get pretty skeptical, even if it's just, you know, the business name at gmail.com or the business name at AOL.com. I I definitely get skeptical and I, I start to question the legitimacy. And I think so much of that is coming from fear. And I think everyone has heard a horror story here or there that someone has stolen their contact information by some type of online fraud. So I think a lot of that really starts from, you know, the trust in who you're talking to. So when it comes to having an email address, you want to make sure that people, A, can put a face to a name if they, if they know you. If they don't know you, how do they make sure that this is legitimate business? And really when it comes down to it is making sure that your email address is very clear and as to who you are. So let's say you're John Doe at insuranceservices.com. That's very clear as to, as to who you are, what your business name is, and making sure that that business name um, in your email address is consistent across the board, consistent with your, with your website. Um, making sure that the business name is there, is in front of everybody, and is clear. So I, I couldn't agree more with you. If someone reaches out to me using just their standard email address without their business name, or if it's business name at AOL.com, I'm not probably gonna. I'm probably not gonna give them my information, right? Especially when it comes to something like insurance services. Um, a lot of that is confidential and you know, pretty private information. So you want to make sure that, you know, your your customers or potential customers trust where they're sending their information to. Definitely. You know, we always are hearing about these phishing schemes and people getting taken advantage and their information getting put out there. So important to trust who you're emailing, who you're responding to, to know that you're responding to who you think you are. And I agree, your domain name, for your website, when it's the same as your email address, that definitely helps. Like our emails are all at chicagolandsia.com and chicagolandsia.com is our root of our website. So Kelsey, as our digital guru, uh, what are some ways that people can make sure they have a professional email? Do we have 
you know, some affordable solutions out there? What's the process for getting that professional email? That's a great question, Amanda. And typically when we have um, members who come to me who don't have their email addresses set up, it's typically because they also don't have their website set up either. So I would say 90% of the time when you're getting your website set up, the website vendor will actually get your email set up for you. Um, Depending on who um, that website vendor is using for hosting, that could be Google, it could be um, Microsoft 365, right? So that's a really good question when you are vetting out some of these website vendors is, is asking some of those questions up front. Hey, you know, can you help me host my email addresses? How many email addresses do I get? So those are questions to ask, you know, upfront when you are working with a website vendor. If your website vendor does come back to you and say that that's not um, a part of their service offerings, that's a great opportunity to come and talk to me so we can brainstorm, you know, what type of email hosting are you looking for? How much data or storage are you looking to have um, that you're looking to use every month? How many email addresses are you anticipating to have to use, et cetera? So Forbes actually has a list of vetted vendors that, that they that they recommend in terms of email hosting. So a few right off the bat here, DreamHost, SiteGround, Google Workspace is, is one of these as well. Um, and this link actually that I, that I have up here right now, um, we can definitely share and it provides just the average cost per month, how much data, that can that is allowed um, with that mem- with their membership. Um, if there's any attachment limit sizes, etc. So while we here at Chicagoland SIA don't have a recommended um, server uh, for email hosting, there are definitely a lot of options out there. So if you ever have any questions on that, feel free to to let me know. But like I said earlier. About 90% of the time, your website vendor will actually be able to get this set up on your behalf. And I do know that all of the recommended website vendors that we have here at Chicago and SIA, this is included in all of their packages. So, you know, if you are going to be using any of those uh, vendors, and this will be will be covered in your contract. Now, what about bulk email? Like, if you wanted to send out like a newsletter or something of that nature, what would you say to somebody that's looking to, to get into that more bulk email? That's a great question, Amanda. So we use here at Chicago Land SIA and over at Conklin, we use what are called customer relationship management systems, um, aka a CRM. For the folks listening here, if you ever heard the acronym CRM, this is kind of what we're, what we're referring to. Um, So if you're looking to send out your newsletter or if you're looking to have any type of automated email services in bulk, like you want to email out a list of prospects just to have an additional touch point, or if you want to make sure that you have a touch point with, you know, all of your existing clients because you want to send out renewal reminders or you want to send out just, hey, you know, we heard it's your birthday, you know, happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. You can definitely use what's called a a customer relationship management platform in order to do that. And it does take care of a lot of the heavy lifting um, and automation on your behalf by just uploading your contact list, drafting up, you know, some of those emails and and hitting send. Um, Even with your newsletter, you can have those scheduled out. So in the insurance world, there are two customer relationship management systems that 
have a lot of pre-written content um, available to you. Some of them, you know, even have um, integrations with agency management systems, even some some websites as well. And those two, you know, one is called Lola. The other one is called Agency Zoom. Um, neither of these we use over at Chicagoland or Conklin, um, so I do want to, you know, make that caveat. But they do have good, really good reputations, and we do have a lot of members that are using both. Um, and, and both really, again, just help with the automation of getting some of these touch points, making those contacts, and just helping, helping along your marketing campaign. So those, again, Agency Zoom and Lola are two insurance-specific customer relationship management systems. Um, HubSpot is is another one that's not insurance-specific. There's also MailChimp. There's a number of different platforms that do have some free versions available um, if you're looking to just kind of dip your toe in the water. You know, you're not going to get as as robust as you would, you know, spending a little bit of money using like a Lola or an agency Zoom, but they do offer, you know, some really, really good introductory services. So I know, Amanda, this really does kind of dive into your realm as our director of marketing. Um, do you have any, you know, tips or feedback when using a, a customer relationship management system? Yes, there are definitely some do's and some don'ts. So some of the do's are things like if you're going to send out newsletters, using that consistently. So don't go in and send out a newsletter in January and then forget about it and send one out in August and then forget about it and send one out in February. Uh, That can cause it to sound like you're more like a spam email when you're not consistently sending out emails through your, your CRM. So you want to be careful. And it also... You don't want to surprise your clients or your prospects with emails. They should be aware of like, this is a monthly newsletter or this is a bi-monthly newsletter or a quarterly newsletter. They need to be aware of the consistency so that they remember, oh yes, I'm, I'm getting this email from this, my insurance agent. I'm aware that this is happening. Again, so they don't mark you as spam. And speaking of spam, <laughs> I know we all... We all hate spam. Like nobody wants spam in their email inbox. Personally, I get like 20 spams a day, usually from marketing services trying to get me to buy their services. And the first thing I do if they don't have that little unsubscribe thing is I I report them as spam. And there are laws where you can't, you know, if you're not familiar with the can spam laws and you're going to be sending out bulk emails, you definitely want to look into those. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to give too much legal advice. You definitely need to be familiar with the laws surrounding what you can and can't send and who you can and can't send to. That brings me to prospecting via bulk email. So if you're not building your prospect list in an opt-in way, which means that you're not going up to people and saying, hey, you know, I have this email list. I'd like to send you emails. I'd like to send you marketing emails. And they're not agreeing to this. Then you're going to get into some, some what we call reputational harm areas. And there are a few ways that sending bulk emails to people that haven't agreed to receive your emails uh, can cause. One is like if you buy a list, uh, those people, they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know that you're going to be emailing them and they're going to see your email maybe make let's say it makes it into their inbox which is is rare for bot email lists 
they're not going to trust that. As we talked about earlier, the phishing scams, the the cyber attacks that people face, a lot of those come in through email. So buying a list really does not have a great return on investment. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're exactly right, Amanda, where you're going with this. Um, I, I think a lot of I've had a lot of members contact me asking for a reputable lead generation company. And so far, I have not worked with one. Um, and I haven't been able to recommend one because, you know, a lot of these folks at these lead, you know, with these lead lists, they, they gather these leads, right? And they're just passed along. And even if they're guaranteed to you for 30 days, 60 days, right? A lot of those leads are just being passed along from person to person. So especially if you're purchasing insurance leads, that person on that list might be, you know, might have been touched by four or five other agents, right? You know, that might have been a touch point for them. Um, and so by the time that you're actually hitting these leads, they they might not even be viable leads either, or they might not, they might have been put on a do not call or a do not email list. So I think, you know, if I, I discourage members from going in and purchasing a lot of these lead lists, because Amanda, you're exactly right. The return is very low, um, not only just, you know, from mon- from a monetary perspective, but it, it does not assist. It doesn't help your reputation um, as, a, as a business owner if you're contacting people who did not opt into being contacted by you specifically. And then the other way that emailing people that you don't know that if you bought a list is the emails are set up to screen for spam. So they're always learning they're checking domains, and that's another type of reputational harm. So let's say you email a thousand people and a hundred of those people take the time to mark your email as spam. Now your domain and your IP address are being associated with spam emails. So even if you then clean up your list and you're sending it to people that have opted in, the chances of it getting into their inbox is now severely reduced because you're going to hit that spam filter and the spam filter is going to say, yes, this domain or this IP address has a history of spamming people. We're just going to preactively send them into your spam folder and they're never even going to see that email. The same thing happens if you're sending to email addresses that don't exist, like if they're getting hard bounces. Those are set up intentionally and they often end up on some of these lesser quality lead gen lists and they're set up to recognize when people are spamming these lists, that also causes your email to be marked as spam, reduces the chances you're gonna end up in somebody's inbox. And it's just really not a good practice to be emailing people that you don't know, who don't know you, who aren't expecting your email because it's just gonna hurt you in the long run. So even when you are emailing people that want to hear from you, they might not get their email now because of these bad practices. Right. No, it's it's such a good point, Amanda. And you're you're exactly right. You're you're putting the time and energy and effort into producing content that, you know, either your prospects or your current members are really interested in hearing more about and learning more about. And if you're not following these best practices, these emails aren't even hitting them, right? They're just going straight into the spam folder and then all that hard work kind of kind of goes away. Um, so yeah. <laughs> what can happen if you get flagged as spam is your CRM 
can discontinue their relationship with you. They can say, you know, you are not reputable. We are canceling your account and that's it. They will not now host your domain. Right. So it, it can really cause a lot of damage and fairly quickly. A lot of the the CRMs have things in their contract that say, you know, you can't send to bot lists because of the harm. Because if you're sending through, let's say, constant contact and you're getting flagged as spam, that puts all of constant contacts accounts at risk of having reputational harm. Right. It, it, the email knows that you're using constant contact and it's like, well, constant contact is sending all these spam emails. So they're very proactive about shutting that down, not wanting people to, to send through to these bot lead lists, making sure that you have a good reputation with your domain name, with your IP address. It's a good point, Amanda. And I think a lot of these CRMs too, they pride themselves on, you know, having a certain percentage of an open rate, right. And having this good reputation and they don't want, they don't, they don't want customers who are going to come in who are going to tarnish some of that reputation. So that definitely exactly. makes sense. Yeah. Now there are ways to build a great lead gen prospecting list. It, just, yes. it, it <laughs> takes time. There is no, you know, magic solution to getting this giant leads list. Uh, one of the best ways is to create valuable content, write a white paper, write a guide, write uh, something where people will go to your website, they'll want to learn more, and you have that little contact form where they say, you know, I agree to, you know, receiving your emails, uh, they get access to the white paper for agreeing to this, or they sign up for your newsletter because you say, oh, we have this great blog series. You can stay up to date with it by subscribing to our newsletter or whatever it is, you know, drawing people in with your content, putting up a little bit of gate to make sure that you're getting those email addresses, collecting those email addresses and getting them to agree to receiving your newsletter, receiving your marketing emails. So that they know when they see that email from you, oh yes, I know who this is. That's fine, I'm not gonna mark them as spam. So the other thing that CRMs do is to comply with can spam laws, you have to have an ability to unsubscribe or opt out of an email. So whenever you get an email sent through a CRM, there's always that at the bottom. And that's great because let's say someone agrees to get your newsletter and then they're like, you know, this is what I thought it was, or I'm getting it too often, or, you know, I decided to go with another company. Hopefully not. Uh, they can now unsubscribe from your newsletter. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't cost you a, a hit to your reputation. They've just unsubscribed. They remove themselves from your list automatically by doing so. And your life goes on. No harm, no foul. So that is one thing that you, you want to make really easy for people because if you try to hide that unsubscribe or that opt-out, people are going to get frustrated. They won't want to do it. And they're going to mark you as spam to make you go away. Yeah. And the CRM makes it super easy too. Once um, you know that individual hits unsubscribe, the CRM just removes them from that list, right? So it's it takes a lot of the heavy lifting of having to you know, manually go in and, and, and remove that person. And so it helps from an automation perspective. Um, absolutely. Which I know is in the life of an independent insurance agent, you know, time is money. So not having to, to worry about some of those, um, you know, tedious tasks, um, I, I think is, is definitely helpful. 
And you're, you're exactly right, Amanda. I mean, I know we focused on a lot of, you know, some of the downsides of not, not handling email marketing well, right. But email marketing that is handled well, I think can definitely be a huge sales tool. And especially when it comes to, again, a lot of those tasks that are, that do take time, you know, looking up renewal dates and and making sure that you're having those touch points or, you know, sending them notes around the holidays, or even if it's just, you know, a happy birthday email, things like that, a little, little things like that do go a long way while, you know, maintaining those relationships with your existing customers. So I think having those touch points, it, it, it will help in the long run and, and having a, a customer relationship management system um, will definitely, will definitely benefit a lot of members. Most CRMs will allow you to enter things like birth dates or milestones or renewal dates. Right when you do the data entry off the bat, you can fill in those fields so that then you just create an email template and it will, it will automatically send them uh, for what you've set them up as. So if you have somebody's birthday, you might set up the email to go out on the day of their birthday or the week before their birthday, uh, depending on you know what your preferences are for contacting people. And it, it's great. It takes a lot of pressure off of you. Uh, you get these touch points with clients and you can set up prospects if they opt into your email. Definitely send them if you know their birthday. Of course, send them a, a birthday note or you know, if it's a business, maybe you know the day that they opened up their doors, you can say, hey, happy you know, three anniversary on your restaurant. You know, whatever it is that you know about them, set up these touch points. It can really create that personalized client experience that everyone is looking for. And it took you, what, five minutes when you first entered them into your CRM? It's not that difficult. The other thing that I like uh, for automation is, let's say someone fills out a form field on your or your website. Uh, what I have set up for Conklin Insurance is let's say someone sets up something, they fill out a form on our homeowner's insurance page. They automatically will get an email, you know, welcoming them to Conklin Insurance, explaining who Conklin Insurance is. They'll get a follow-up email with our, our quote sheet and our quote sheet procedures, uh, who they should be contacting if they have questions about the quote. And of course, you know, we're going to reach out to them uh, to facilitate that quote. But then they get another email that has maybe one of our, our blog topics that you know, is relevant to uh, people that own homes. So obviously, you don't want to be sending somebody who's looking at homeowner's insurance something about a business because you don't know. Maybe they're not a business owner. And then you know, a week later, they might get another email about life insurance and we kind of build on that we're experts in insurance here are some things you might not know about insurance here are some other products that we have that you might find relevant and they just continue to get these emails slowly dripped out to them over the course of a few months and you know it does help because let's say they were looking for a homeowner's policy but it wasn't right now maybe the the renewal date isn't for you know another five months so they were just doing some research because their current provider you know, did something that they weren't happy about. And then they sort of forgot that they were, were looking. Now they got another email coming into them that's reminding them that, hey, Conklin Insurance is here. Conklin Insurance is an expert when it comes to homeowners insurance. We've got a long history of being a reputable insurance carrier. There's you know, all sorts of things that you can do with that automated email because once they filled out that form field, 
They have agreed to receive our marketing emails. They're expecting to hear from us and it keeps us top of mind for them as they move through the process of researching and looking for a new insurance company. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing, Amanda, um, especially because, you know, again, people people are doing a lot more information and research ahead of time, and they're doing a lot of this online as opposed to contacting someone first, right? So when you have these prospects and you have all of this great information that can be useful to them, you just need to get it, get it close to home, right? You need to send it to their inboxes in a way that is a, you know, a way that they want the information, right? So if they're subscribing to your newsletter or they've, you know, they, they're looking for more information, trying to get a quote and have opted into receiving information from you, why not share relevant information with them, right? And and as that trusted advisor, that's what individuals are looking for you without, but without <laughs> having you call them first. And also it, it takes some, some time, um, it takes time to give a lot of these prospects phone calls, those introductory calls, when a lot of this can be done automated via email. So I think that strategy is extremely sound um, and very effective too, um, especially when it comes to saving time and you know time is money, as we all know. So I I think that's fan I think that's fantastic and definitely something a lot of our members can can learn from and take and kind of add their own spin to it as well. Was there any other email topics that you wanted to cover today. I think that's that's sort of it for what I had. But before we close out, I just want to make sure that, you know, you've covered everything that was on your plate when it comes to email, because it is, you know, email is such a big topic. It really is, Amanda. And I think we we touched on the major, you know, the major components of email, right? So I wanting to make sure that our members are using their email marketing campaigns the, the way that they should be intended, you know, following a lot of those can spam laws, right? Again, want to preface, neither Amanda and I are lawyers. So, you know, this is not legal advice, um, but just something to be cognizant of. And then I, I also think too, once, once members do get set up with their email and want to kind of take that next step with their marketing, I think, you know, CRMs and there are lots of options out there. So, whether it comes down to looking for a, you know, an email provider, um, if your website vendor is not, is not able to host for you or get that set up for you versus, you know, are you looking for a CRM? Um, these are all questions that, you know, you can definitely come to us and we can, you know, help, help guide and advise as much as we possibly can. Um, but I think we, we touched on all the, all the big, big topics, Amanda. All right. Well, want to thank everyone for listening and we'll see you next month. See you next month. Bye everyone.